0: Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Well, Numa Church, it is an honour to be uh, back from a short break and to be bringing the word to you today. To be honest, um, Words do not do justice to uh, the realities that I know many of us are facing mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and economically in this season. And uh, I have been beyond burdened for not just our congregation, but like you, our wider community, our city, our state, our nation, the world. Once again, we find ourselves lockdown number five. We are pushing nearly 180 days of lockdown in this city. And right about now, I know that that's wearing thin for all of us. Uh, It's oppressive. It's unsustainable to our normal way of life. And yet we find ourselves at the feet of Jesus again, asking for more grace. And when I have pondered upon things that are happening around me, how that has made me feel, let alone what I have seen in the wider community around me. The only response in seasons like this is to lift holy hands in prayer and to ask God for more grace. And I've discovered that as I would do that, in faith, He responds. And so I'm gonna pray before I believe I bring the Word that God has for you, for us, and for the body of Christ in this season. I'm gonna ask you to lift holy hands with me And we're going to pray and ask God for more grace. And He promises that His grace will be sufficient for us. And His strength will be made perfect in weakness. Father, today we come to You. And Lord, we don't ignore our feelings. We don't try and just distract ourselves from the numbness of the reality that we're all facing. We acknowledge it today. It's real. But God, I thank You that, Lord, there is abundant, sufficient grace that is available for us at our time of need. And Your Word says in James 4, 6, You give more grace. And so as we lift holy hands in prayer right now, I pray for an abundance of more grace to be poured out and given by faith into every single person's heart right now. That God... Many of us are facing real significant challenges mentally, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, economically. And Father, we cannot do this without Your grace. But we know, O God, that when we come to the end of ourselves, there is more grace. When we come to the end of ourselves, O God, You begin to do what we cannot do in our own strength. So Holy Spirit, right now, I thank You that there is an anointing upon this moment and upon this Word. And I know it is going to break oppression off of our lives. And I know it's going to lift burdens off of us. We put on a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. And we ask Holy Spirit right now, invade every home, invade every heart, invade every street, however vacant or filled. Father, right now I pray, Holy Spirit, Lord, come and intervene into the affairs of humanity, O God, and bring about, oh God, a divine move of Your Holy Spirit. And we declare just like Jesus prayed, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Fill us with Your Holy Spirit. Fill us with the Spirit of faith in this season. Oh God, encourage our hearts, minister to the needs in our lives and let the Name of Jesus continue to be on our lips, continue to be our focus. In Your Name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Well, I want you to turn with me to Isaiah. Isaiah 43, 18-19. Holy Spirit, during the last few weeks, speaking to me. out of this passage, just two simple verses, and yet they have such a profound impact and implication for us today in uh, 2021. The prophet Isaiah declares, God is speaking through him. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth, Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Today, I wanna speak to you on the subject from restriction to revival. Recently, God began to speak to me about the body of Christ being in a transition season from restriction to revival. And He gave me several insights. He said 2020 was the start Of this transition. Many people were looking to 2020 as being the peak of an outbreak of a move of God across many churches. He said, No, in fact, 2020 is the start of a three to five year transition for the body of Christ leading up to 2025. And he said, This is a season where the body of Christ, my church, will let go of old wineskins and embrace new wineskins to move with the new thing that I am wanting to do across the earth. He said, you can't put 10 litres of new wine into an old wineskin that only contains five litres. God says, I'm using natural things to shroud the work of my spirit behind the scenes. Many people have been saying, wondering, is COVID and this pandemic the new reality? No, it's not. COVID pandemic isn't the new reality. But God uses those things that the enemy means for evil, for our good. He is using it to transition his church into the new thing that he's wanting it to be so that it can carry the, the new move of God that he's bringing upon the earth in this hour. God says, What will emerge will be a work of my spirit and not a work of man. It won't be something that you and I will be able to control. In a season where there is very little that we can control, God is changing the chess pieces on the chessboard. He is working behind the scenes. Sovereign God is on the job. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. And He's moving and He's shifting and He's doing things no man or woman can do. He said, My church is in a chrysalis stage of metamorphosis. It's changing its spots for wings. It's no longer going to crawl along but it is going to soar to greater heights my glory and the extension of my kingdom. God is not just about trying to make this world better. He's actually about calling a people out of the spirit of the world and into the church. And He will use whatever means necessary. He hasn't sent this pandemic. He's not the author of these restrictions, but He'll use it in order to achieve His sovereign purposes for us. You see, transition is a time of birthing new things. For a caterpillar to transition into a butterfly, it must enter into the chrysalis. What is a chrysalis? It is a hard shell that a caterpillar molts into to protect itself during transformation. And it takes approximately 10 to 14 days in the chrysalis for a caterpillar to emerge as a butterfly. And the challenging thing is if you help a butterfly out of the chrysalis before it's ready, you actually deform its wings. Its wings become permanently deformed and it is unable to fly and fulfil the purpose which the chrysalis is serving in the transition of that insect. The struggle of the chrysalis is the very thing that is needed to help that insect transform into an animal that can fly. You see, just as the struggle of transition in labour for a mother-to-be is the crucible moment before a baby is born, so too the struggle of the chrysalis in this hour and in our spirit is the birthing position for a new move of God's Spirit across the earth. If you've struggled at all in this season, you are not an exception to the rule. You are not alone. We have all struggled in different ways in this season. You and I are in the chrysalis stage of transition. There is a metamorphosis that God is wanting to do in the heart of the church so that His sovereign purposes can be established, not just in your individual life, right across the body of Christ. You see, transition is when God allows a contradiction to strip away our contentment with an inferior purpose for our lives. I want to say that to you again. Transition is when God allows a contradiction to strip away our contentment with an inferior purpose for our lives. Some of you would have heard the story my wife and I when We were leading a growing church plant, one of the fastest growing church plants in Melbourne at that time. And we were content. This was our whole future from a ministry perspective, economic perspective, our family's perspective. And yet I started to pray a dangerous prayer. God, I want to be a kite in your hurricane. Can I just say to you, be careful what you pray for, because God takes your prayers seriously. And you may feel like I'm praying, but nothing's happening. Oh, let me tell you, there's a bowl of intercession that is being filled up in this season. And one day it's gonna get poured out and all that you've been praying for will become a reality if it is God's will and it is in faith and you're gonna see things happen. You gotta be careful what you pray for. And so the Holy Spirit said to me, you have no idea what you're praying for. And I said, I know, uh, but I'm praying it anyway. Because often God brings us to a place of such frustration, such a wrestle, where even those things that we're maybe not even prepared for, we begin to utter out of our lips because God wants to come into agreement with that prayer and bring a new purpose into our lives. The wind of the Spirit blew our family out of a huge rental property that we're in at the time. It was taken out of our hands And we tried to move into other rental properties. All these different things fell through. And God moved us into two small Bible college dormitory rooms, a place of great restriction. We thought we were going to be there for a few months, maybe up to a year, saving some money to buy a house. Little did we know we ended up spending two years in that place of restriction. And yet in those two years, God transitioned us in the chrysalis place of metamorphosis, Into a global platform where God gave us a voice to the entire body of Christ across Europe, across Asia and Australia, and over and other parts of the world. And then He transitioned us into coming to this amazing church, Numa Church, and being prepared to take on the leadership responsibility of this house. Without the contradiction. We would never have become discontent with an inferior purpose for our lives and walked in God's higher purpose for our lives and for His ministry through us. Restriction isn't a cancellation of revival. It's a preparation to inherit God's promises. And I just want to speak that over somebody today. That you've been feeling like things are being cancelled out. Plans and purposes and dreams and visions being cancelled out in your life. I'm telling you, God is preparing you for a greater weight of glory, just like He was preparing the early church in Acts chapter 8. Because in Acts chapter 8, we read how the church had become comfortable. They'd become a sort of content with the favour in the community. They'd become comfortable with where they were in Jerusalem and they'd started to ignore the mandate that it wasn't just to go into Jerusalem and make disciples of all nations, but they were to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And so in their comfort and in their contentment, a little restriction, a little contradiction called persecution comes against the church. And all of a sudden, the church in Jerusalem, the apostles, the leadership team, they're all restricted from their normal mode of ministry. And so the believers are scattered right across Samaria and Judea. And all of a sudden, that which was restricted in Jerusalem becomes scattered across regions beyond Jerusalem and revival starts to break out in all of these other regions, namely a city called Antioch. If you just read a few chapters later in Acts chapter 11, Antioch is a place of great transition in the body of Christ. And Antioch was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. Without restriction in Jerusalem, you don't have revival in Antioch. And without revival in Antioch and a transition of the church in Antioch, you don't have revival in Rome. And without revival in Rome, you don't have Constantine the Emperor getting saved. And without Constantine the Emperor getting saved, you don't have the Gospel spread to the furthest regions of the Roman Empire and the known world of that day and to the ends of the earth. If you are in a valley of contradiction, God is stripping away your contentment with an inferior purpose because He has a greater promise. He has a greater purpose for you in mind. Mountaintops are for inspiration, but valleys are for transformation. And so you don't produce fruit on mountaintops, you produce fruit in the valleys. No one wants to go through the valley of the shadow of death. We all wanna be on the mountaintop, but you don't live on mountaintops. You actually often live in valleys, but valleys is where there is transition. It's where there is metamorphosis. It's where there is transformation into all that God actually has for us in our lives. Transition isn't a sign of God's absence, but of confirmation of God's new promise. It is too easy during transition in seasons that we are facing right now to misinterpret God's silence as God's absence. And it's simply not true. And many people have made that mistake and Israel found themselves at that place in Isaiah 42 and 43. God called Isaiah to prophesy to Israel at a time of great rebellion against God. In Isaiah 43, we see the promise of God through Isaiah where He declares restoration for His people, living in the confusion of exile, transition, captivity in Babylon. Israel was supposed to be God's witnesses on the earth, chosen to represent Him to the surrounding nations. But instead of attracting the nations to God, now they're being plundered by the nations around them. They're in captivity for 70 years. They are living in exile. And just as the nations that they were captive to needed deliverance from their sinfulness, so too Israel needed deliverance from its captors. And God promises in this passage that Israel will be released from exile through a new exodus. The original exodus through the Red Sea as Israel are delivered from Egypt and through the wilderness into the Promised Land did not exhaust God's power to rescue Israel once again in what they were facing. And this is why God says in verse 18, Remember not the former things nor consider the things of old. You need to understand something today. Memories make for great monuments, but not for new moves of God. Often your last breakthrough is your biggest obstacle to the new thing that God wants to do in your life. And the reason is, is because there is a risk of turning how God moved in your past into how God will move in your future And many of us make that mistake and misperceive the new thing that God is wanting to bring into our lives. Ecclesiastes says, Do not say, Why were the former days better than these? For it's not from wisdom. I don't know about you, but I've looked back. To 2019 and 2018 and pre-COVID and thought there were some really good days. Uh, is that the best it's going to get? No, the devil is a liar. Don't say, why were the former days better than these? It's not from wisdom. God is always up to something new. No circumstance in your life takes Him by surprise. No issue, no pandemic can stop His purpose for the earth, for the church and for your life. You see, you've got to understand revival is not found in a past formula. Revival is found in a present relationship. In Hebrews 8, the writer contrasts the supremacy of Jesus as Messiah and King with Mosaic law. And God comes to Moses on the mountain, sees, see that you build and make everything according to the pattern that I've shown you on the mountain. And I've heard lots of messages and And maybe even preached once or twice before. See that you make everything that is built according to the mountain. except the purpose of the Hebrew writer in Hebrews 8, is to actually point out that the Mosaic law and that which was scripted and written back then in the past was inferior to the person of Jesus Christ. And what the writer is exhorting us is to look to Jesus as the pattern. Jesus never said, here's the past formula. Jesus said, here is the person. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so we're gonna stop looking to old patterns of how the church once did what it did. And we're gonna start to look into the new person, the new pattern and the revelation of Jesus. What did Jesus do? John five nineteen. I only ever do that which I see, that which I perceive, that which I have a vision of what my Father is doing. When Jesus was presented with a particular issue, sickness, illness, challenge, lack, He never dealt with the same issue the same way because following Jesus is not found in a formula, it's found in a relationship, it's found in a revelation. When God asked Abram, to leave his country in Genesis 12, to leave his father's house and go to the land that he would show him. And there he would make of him a great nation. And there he would bless him. And there he would do great and mighty things through him. The first act of obedience was to let go of the past. And only then, it was conditional, and only then would God bless him. You only qualify for the new promise when you let go of the old blessing. And many of us are holding on to the old blessing, holding on to, I wish it was that. When God's saying, I wanna bring a new promise. I wanna bring a new thing. Yes, it is gonna look different. Yes, it is, He's doing a new thing. But God has something greater, better in mind. It's an upgrade. Forget lockdown 5.0, it's God's blessing 100.0. God is wanting to bring you into something that you gotta let go of the past so you can grab a hold of the future. What is the one thing that you are holding on to that's stopping you from inheriting the new promise? What is that? What is that mindset? What is that idea? What is that relationship? What, what is that nostalgic notion in your head that's actually stopping you from seeing the vision that God has in your future? Because the Word of the Lord to us today is, behold, I am doing a new thing. That tells me God, not man, is the author of the new thing in your life. 19 words of this promise in Isaiah 42 and Isaiah 43 are in first person singular form, meaning God, the I am, the great I am, is the author of the promise. When God asked Moses to go and be a deliverer of His people in Egypt, Moses said, to whom shall I say, sent me? God said something that most of us, we read and go, that's not very helpful. I am who I am. Tell them I am has sent you. Now, I don't know about you, but if the Lord said that to me, I'd be like, can you just like articulate, extrapolate, explain a little bit what that means? And you do a theological study of that. You discover that that, phrase, I am, has many multiple meanings. There's so many different layers to that, but essentially it's telling us Yahweh, God, I will be with you, is what He's saying. Yahweh will be with, just tell them, I'll be with them. I've been with them from the beginning. I'll be with them right through the Exodus and I'll be with them into the promised land. Tell them Yahweh sent you. And Moses was so impacted by this encounter that chapter's on in the middle of the wilderness, Moses says, if your presence does not go up with us, don't let us move from here. You see, when the presence of the great I am is missing from the church, we have to replace it with human complexity to keep the machinery of church life going. And we're discovering in this season, guess what? We don't have the opportunity of, to add human complexity to keep the machinery of church life going, because much has been taken out of our hands. But let me tell you something, there is something greater than what any personality can produce, than what any program can produce. It's called the presence of the great I am. And it's not bound by a camera. It's not bound by a gathering or not. It is all about our focus and our response. God would, in the midst of the valley, in the midst of the transition, that says to the great I am, if your presence doesn't go with us. Don't let us move from here. The Lord spoke to me and said, much of my church has wrongly branded the work of man as a move of my spirit. And He said, I'm shaking the foundations of that thinking. I'm allowing the seasons of fire and contradiction to actually shake to the very core. That which is in my church, that is not of my spirit. I'm allowing it to be revealed for what it is and for it to fall away. Revival can't be explained in terms of human activity, organisation, meetings and personalities. Revival is divine intervention in the normal course of spiritual things. Revival is Isaiah 64.1. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble at your presence and that you would rain righteousness upon us. Revival is when human personalities are overshadowed and human programs are abandoned for a manifestation of God in the earthly realm. If God is the author of this new move and not man, it behooves us to find out what on earth God is actually doing, which means we've got to incline our ear to the voice of the Spirit rather than looking over the fence to see what another man or woman is doing in their world and in their ministry comparison will always rob you of revelation into the new thing that God is wanting to do through our lives. Stop looking over the fence and wondering how this person is handling what's going on with them. There is a lot of pointing of the finger. There is a lot of comparison. There is a lot of complaining. There is a lot of grumbling. I get it. I understand it. But we've got to get our eyes off the natural things and we've got to get our eyes and our ears onto the Spirit and With the eyes of faith, we've got to start to perceive what God is doing now because it is only with the eyes of faith. The eye of faith in our hearts. Can we perceive what God is doing now? This is what God says through the prophet. He says in verse 19, now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Literally means, do you not discern this with your spiritual senses? Do you not discern it? Do you not see it? in the eye of your spirit. You see, I believe the real problem for the church in this season is not COVID restrictions. It's a lack of perception into what God's doing. We're not tuning in. We're not making the most of this season. Have you grown stronger in the last 18 months since this whole thing started? Have you grown closer to Jesus? Have you become more perceptive? more tuned in to the things of the Spirit of God with a greater hunger and passion for the Word of God? are you just holding on for the rapture bus to get us all out of here? Are you just holding on until finally no more press conferences and we can just get on with our lives? I've had to stop myself from just waiting and hoping and just holding on and saying, God, you've got a purpose for this season. And I may not be able to control policy, but I tell you what I can control is my response to the living God, the great I am in His presence. I can get down on my knees again and say, God, I don't understand it. I don't get it, but I'm gonna perceive what you're doing. I'm gonna, and I'm gonna grow closer to you. And I'm gonna sharpen the edge of the sword of my spirit just a little bit more because I'm going to come out like a dread warrior. I'm going to come out like a minister of fire. I'm going to come out of this thing and I'm, we're going to go through this thing, Newman Church. and we will not succumb to what is in the natural, but we will see with the eyes of faith what it is that God is doing. You see, many people are asking God to bless what they're doing rather than find out what God's blessing and join Him in that. If God's not answering your prayers, maybe it's time to talk to Him about what's on His heart rather than what's on your heart. It's awesome that God cares about what's on your heart, but this is not a season to just be concerned about what's on your heart. God, what is on your heart? Someone once said, to make the greatest success of your life, discover what God is doing now and throw yourself 100% into it. And whatever your hand finds to do that God has called you to, do with all your might. We're gonna cry out to God to open our eyes to see. We're gonna cry out to God to open our ears to hear. We're gonna cry out to God to open our hearts to believe in the Word that He is giving to us. And once we hear it, we must see it, seize it. Don't put off until tomorrow what God has called you to do today. There are two dimensions of time in the Word of God. There is chronos time and there is kairos time. Chronos time is the ticking of the clock and the turning of the calendar. Most people live their lives by the ticking of the clock and the turning of the calendar. And they wait for life to sort of unfold in the natural course of things. And there is an element to our lives where that is very real. But you need to understand, according to the purposes and time dimensions of heaven and eternity, there is a thing called Kairos time. That is that God appointed window of opportunity where God is doing something that if we don't perceive it, we're gonna miss it. We've got to perceive in our individual lives, for our marriages, for our children, for our finances, for our ministries, for our church, for our businesses, For all that we're involved in, we've got to stop and pause and lean in and perceive. God, what are you saying to me? What do I need to do? How do I need to go about it? Because if we don't perceive it with the eyes of faith, we're gonna miss the kairos moment that God is bringing into our lives. Procrastination is another form of disobedience and is the enemy of faith. Israel spent 40 years waiting for something that only took 11 days. Why? Because they lacked the perception of faith. They looked in the natural at the giants before them rather than looking at the creator of the heavens and earth that were calling them into the fullness of the promise. Don't ever draw a wrong conclusion about God's intention for your life just because there is a giant of intimidation that you see on the screens and that is coming against you. The devil is a liar. It's a smoke screen that he's trying to lull you into a place of passivity, that he's trying to bind you up in a spirit of fear. And I'm telling you the Word of the Lord today is you've not received a spirit of fear, but a power, love and a sound mind. And I pray and prophesy, a sound mind over you today, over our city today, over our church today, that we would begin to see with the eyes of faith. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says, We walk by faith and not by sight. When my, before God healed my father of an acute stroke, as I'm there in that hospital room, there was nothing in the natural that would indicate to me he was gonna be dramatically healed within 30 minutes. Not one thing. In fact, when I pray for him in faith, nothing happened in the moment. You might be praying in faith. You might be declaring over your life every day and nothing's happening. But I'm telling you that if you just keep praying, if you just keep prophesying, the Word that God has given to you. Your eyes shall see, your ears shall hear. And 30 minutes later, he was upright out of that bed. He was talking, he was he was smiling, he was doing a jig, he was doing a dance and he did a hop, skip and a jump out of that hospital ward in exactly 48 hours because I'm telling you the devil is a liar, but God is a revealer of truth. And we, when we bring the eyes and perception of faith to that which we cannot, see in the natural, but we see it, we hear it in the supernatural, something begins to change. Something begins to shift. You see, it's through faith, God will make possible what appears impossible. This is what He says to Israel, I will make a way, not you, you can't make any way at the moment. You can't walk into any office and just say, let's just all stop this nonsense and let's get back to normal life. You have no power. But God says, Israel, what you can't do, I will do. I will make a way in the wilderness. I will make rivers in the desert. What is He saying? He's saying where there is no clear path forward in the wilderness, I will create it. He's saying where there is no natural relief in the desert, I will provide it. I'm the God who brings water out of a rock. I'm the God who parts the Red Sea. I am the God over and over and over again. When Israel's backs were against the wall, when the church was facing persecution, He is the God who comes through, sustains, delivers and fulfils His sovereign purposes for His people. You gotta understand, sometimes following Jesus is like driving a car at night. Your headlights give you enough illumination to just make the next turn. You don't have enough light to make the 10th turn or the 20th turn. You only have enough light to make the very next turn. That's why Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp unto what? Not 10 miles ahead, unto my feet. And a light unto my feet. I've got enough revelation. I've got enough light. I've got enough illumination to take the next step and to make the next turn. I want to tell you today, you may not know how this is all going to end up, but God through this Word is giving you enough light, enough illumination to take one more step today. And every morning you wake up, say, God, I thank You that I'm going to have enough light and enough illumination through Your Word to take one more step today. I don't have strength for tomorrow. I don't have strength for next week. Do not be anxious for tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. But today I have new mercies. Today I have new revelation. Today I have enough light to be able to take one more step. And what we realise is that transition is less about what we do and more about what God does in us. He's changing us. What is He changing us into? More like Jesus. If you let him, if you respond God would and not man would, there's a lot of people responding man would right now. We got to respond God would. The quickest way out of a trial, the quickest way out of, out of a season of suffering is respond God would. The more you respond man would, the longer this thing's all delayed. Could it be that God is waiting on the church to respond God would? Could it be that actually the leaders at the press conference aren't the leaders of this thing, the churches? Could it be that the people of God are the very ones that hold the keys in our hands to all that we're facing? And while we're passive and fussing about, we're delaying the very thing that God is trying to do inside of us. But if we would respond, God would and not man would, God says, they're ready now. I am praying that in this Word and in this season, that in the process of the chrysalis, we will trust Him more fully. We will listen to Him more closely. We will obey Him more gladly. And as we are in the chrysalis, that we wouldn't just be external circumstances of transition. It would be a metamorphosis of our spirit, a metamorphosis of our heart, I tell you, Revival Conference is looming on the horizon and we are planning as if it's going to happen. Revival nights are looming on the horizon and we are planning as if it is going to happen. We will open the church every morning, 7am to 8am for 21 days of prayer and fasting. If ever there was a time for the people of God to, to do what the church does best. We can't do this and we can't do that and that over there, but we can do what the church does best. We can look unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We can come together and we can pray and we can become more like Jesus in the chrysalis. I tell you, there is things that are looming on the horizon. God is gonna teach us how to be a people of renewal and revival. And we're going to believe that we're going to have a window, a kairos window of opportunity to gather together and seek His face and be filled and revived and restored and renewed to go out into our world in the second half of this year and to see His kingdom come and His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Wherever you are right now, I want you to stand with me in faith. And I want to pray for you today. Because God loves you. God's speaking to you. God has something for you and He's calling us higher. We have the keys of the Kingdom in our hands. You have the answer. It's called faith in Jesus. And so right now, wherever you are, I want you to lift your hands with me in prayer as I pray for you. Father, I thank You that You are a faithful God. And I thank You, God, that You are speaking prophetically to Your church today that God, no weapon formed against your people shall prosper. That Lord, just like you were faithful throughout history, when things came against your people, when stuff happened across the earth, famines and wars and earthquakes, you still sustained your church because you're building it. And God, you're showing us once again in this season that you are the one that's building your church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God, for such a time as this, You've called us. For such a time as this, this generation, You've allowed in Your sovereign purposes for us to be here in the city of Melbourne for such a time as this. And right now, Spirit of God, we partner with You. We rise up with You in Jesus' Name. And we ask right now that You would come and speak to us and strengthen us and revive thirsty and hungry hearts right now. I'm asking, O oh God, that You would renew us, renew our minds, fill us with Your Holy Spirit, anoint us with fresh oil, be the lifter of our burdens and help us to respond God would instead of man would in this season. We need You. Can't do this without You. Thank You for bringing us to our knees. We need that because you're not going to be able to do what you do, even though you can, you choose not to, you want to partner with us. God, we're contending and believing that you are moving us from restriction to revival. And we declare that today in the mighty name of Jesus. Wherever you are right now, we're going to worship. Because the greatest thing you can do in this season when you don't know what else to do is worship, is to praise. Why don't you lift your voice with us? Why don't you offer your heart, your prayer to the Lord? Let's worship together. Let's praise together. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God.